And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That is the good news, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the gospel. That is salvation by faith for every nation, tribe, people, and tongue. But how can they trust in this God that they haven't heard of or they haven't believed in? And how can they believe if they haven't heard? How can they hear if no one shares this word of life with them? And how can they share unless they are sent? I'm not sure Paul really expected an answer to that question. It's kind of like when I ask my middle school students, uh, how can you expect to do well on the test if you haven't studied at all? Right? The answer is obvious. They cannot do any of these things unless someone is sent. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring this good news. Well, thankfully, our God is a sending God. He is God on mission, a mission to glorify himself, to uh, establish his rule on earth, to spread the good news of his kingdom, to redeem the people that he created and reconcile them to himself through Jesus Christ. Throughout history, he's accomplished his purposes by sending people. He sent Abraham. As we read in Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord told him. He sent Moses, as we read in Exodus chapter 3. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, suppose the Israelites, I go to them and they say, the God of your fathers has sent, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then God sent his people Israel. We read later in Exodus in chapter 19. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words Moses spoke to the Israelites. God sent his own son. As we read in John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus sent his disciples. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As my father has sent me, I am sending you. And no missions conference would be complete without reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Throughout history, God has sent people to join him on his mission. That was certainly true for us because I can tell you, it took a work of God to get me in 1993 to leave the United States of America to go to San Jose, Costa Rica for language school with a four-week-old baby in my arms. But we went, and we are truly, Len and I, a prime example of how God can use very much less than perfect people to help accomplish his mission. Because the thing is that God goes with us, and he provides others to go with us as well. Abraham had Sarah and Lot to share his doubts and mistakes, uh, trials, and faith and laughter as he followed God's leading on his way to become a blessing to all the nations on the earth. 
Moses had Aaron and Miriam to share the responsibilities and the burdens, the failures, and the praises in leading God's people to be God's representatives to the nations. The people of Israel had prophets who continually encouraged and challenged them to stay true to their calling as a kingdom of priests and as a holy nation. Jesus surrounded himself with 12 less than perfect men so that they could be with him and learn from him and that they too could be sent out. And Paul traveled with people like Barnabas and Silas and Timothy and Luke, but he also traveled with the prayers and the support of many local New Testament churches. We never went alone, even though sometimes it felt getting on that plane, we were going alone. We knew that we were not alone. Without the financial support of individuals and churches across some 14 states, we never could have served in mission for 29 years. From the sacrificial $5 a month gift to faith promise gifts in the thousands from different churches. Without the care packages and the letters, you know, those things you write on paper and you put in an envelope, you put a stamp on them and somebody takes them far away. Um, to later emails and phone calls, texts, and FaceTime. I don't think we could have persevered in the face of illness and uh, surgery, emergency surgeries and dangerous travel and political strife and discouragement and sometimes loneliness. I can assure you that an occasional uh, package of Kool-Aid packets and gum and seasonal candy and videos from a women's group made a world of difference to our three small children in rural Honduras. Without the prayers of hundreds across the years, I don't think we could have ever seen the Lord work in us and through us to see lives transformed, to see disciples made, churches established, to see students trained and sent out. I know when our second daughter was born uh, in somewhat of a traumatic delivery in Salta, Argentina, it was no surprise to me to find out later that people were praying on that very day. Even though it was three weeks before she was due, people were praying for us. From Argentina to Honduras to Bolivia to Albania, we're back here in Georgia. We came back from Albania uh, about a year and a half ago, and part of my heart is still there in Eastern Europe. But we're back here in Georgia where the journey began. But God is still sending us, even though the school we serve is only a few miles away right now. God is still sending us. And as we go, he goes with us. And we're still surrounded by a community of support and encouragement in ministry. And the truth is God is calling all of us. He is sending all of us, both to go and to support others as we go. And that's why we're here this weekend, to open our hearts, to open ourselves, to ask, how is God leading me? Where is God sending me? Whether it's across the street or across the world. And how can we best partner with those that Hebron is blessed to be a part of sending during this time? I'm going to let Len come up now. Don't think it's time for fried chicken yet. It's part two. All right. Well, thank you, Betsy, for sharing that. And this morning, we kind of wanted to tag team and I wanted to kind of follow up with what she's already shared and, and really think about that idea of being the sent ones, uh, being the ones that the Lord is calling to be a part of his work, to be a part of his mission uh, around the world today. And really to kind of ask that question, how exactly do we go about that and what does that mean 
for all of us today. Well, as we think about the how, I want to share a couple of couple of things that I think are really important, whether we're involved in mission and ministry uh, right here in our own community or, or across the globe. And that first area is that we need to take and share the good news of Jesus with humility, recognizing that we are just the servants. You know, I think that Jesus really modeled that principle for us, and uh, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Philippians 2, 6, that Jesus being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Uh, being in nature God himself, he didn't, he didn't look at that as privilege to, for himself, but he took that uh, humbly, really renouncing that so that he could simply be a servant. As we serve in ministry, again, whether it's across the street or around the globe, we, we recognize that we don't have all the answers. We don't know everything. God calls us to simply be obedient and to go and to serve and to be his representative wherever that might be. And then secondly, I think the how that we need to go is first with humility. And then secondly, uh, it's all important that we go with a servant's heart, uh, a self-sacrificial love for others. And again, I think that Jesus is our great model in that, in that uh, Mark, the gospel writer Mark, reminds us in chapter 10, verse 45, that even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Self-sacrificial love is a recognition that it's not all about me, uh, but I am coming to serve, I'm coming to give, I'm coming to do what the Lord has called me to do, has called us to do. Uh, a servant's heart sometimes uh, is hard. Sometimes in ministry and in life, things get messy. Things get hard. Things aren't always easy. Things aren't always fun. Uh, but yet we recognize that even for Jesus, that was true for him as well. But yet he came uh, not to be served, but to be the one serving others and then the third thing that I think really can kind of help us uh, knowing in the how to go and to serve is that we must start where people are uh, I'm reminded of in in Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 where Matthew tells us that Jesus came teaching and preaching and healing every disease and sickness among them Jesus started right where the people were. I was, uh, I, I, I was reminded of this yesterday hearing Carol from the Pregnancy Resource Center share about their new uh, mobile clinic. And she said, oh, I don't know how many times, over and over again, we've got to go where the women are, not expecting them to always come to us. And I think that's a great model for ministry, going and starting where people are. So this weekend, we've had the great privilege and opportunity of hearing from Pledge and his ministry of creation care in South Africa and finding hope in Romania and uh, orphans and children, uh, our friends in Mexico, um, our local ministries here, Pregnancy Resource Center and Axe Ministry over in Bogart, 
uh, all of these different areas of ministry. And uh, it's easy for us to look at them and say, well, that's great for them, and I'm glad God called them to that, but what about me? How do I get involved? And what does it look like? What does it mean for me to be involved in mission and ministry and what God is doing around the world? Well, first of all, I think when we think about the what, what I would really encourage all of us to think about is simply this, what are the passions uh, that God has given us? How has God made us? How has God made you? How has God made me? How has God wired me? And what are the talents and the gifts and the abilities that I bring to the table? And most importantly, I think the question to ask is simply this, what are the things that break the hearts of God and break my heart too? Where is there a need? Where is there a need? And my heart says, yes, I can and I desire to get involved in that. I was thinking about Fledge last night, shared with us around the, around the, the dinner that we had, and he shared part of his testimony that even at about five years old, he had this desire to be a park ranger. Uh, and as he shared his testimony, a few, a few turns this way and that way, but uh, here he is years later serving as a park ranger in creation care and sharing the good news of Jesus through that. Uh, what are uh, those passions and desires and the way that God has created each of us that leads us into an area of service? As Betsy shared, we've served in a number of different countries, and over the years we've worked alongside of other missionaries and colleagues who have shared and served and shared God's love in all kinds of different ministries and ministry settings. We have worked alongside of cattle and pig farmers in Honduras at the El Sembrador uh, Farm School for Boys. We've worked alongside of car mechanics and tractor mechanics who serve there as well. We've worked alongside of doctors and nurses and dentists and pharmacists who serve through the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and we work with them going out into remote villages in Honduras uh, to very underserved areas, taking medical care, dental care, and the good news of Jesus with us. Uh, we've worked alongside of educators in both ed theological education and K-12 international Christian education in Honduras, in Bolivia, and in Albania, uh, serving educational needs of people and of serving them and of sharing the good news of Jesus with them. And in all kinds of, of situations and, and, uh, and people and their gifts and abilities, we have seen them serving and using them on the mission field. I was just reminded and remembering when Betsy and I first got to uh, Albania, we served at the GDQ International Christian School there, and we got there for the start of the 2017 school year, and uh, pretty soon, real, real shortly after we began the school year there, we were introduced to one of our middle school students, a young girl by the name of Sonia, and uh, it became apparent really soon that Sonia was really struggling both emotionally and socially at our school. And I, I, I was just getting to know the staff and the students and the families, and so really didn't know much about her. But uh, I, I soon learned that Sonia had come to our school 
uh, at the very end of the previous school year, really in the spring, at the very end of the school year, her, her, she had been transferred into our school, and some of the teachers told me that, that our school was actually the third school she had come to uh, in, in the capital city of Tirana there in Albania. And I also learned that Sonia, her mother tongue, her, 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 her mother language was Russian. And uh, in these international Christian schools, it's just amazing where kids come from and what their backgrounds are. And so I kind of wondered right away, how in the world does a 13-year-old girl who speaks Russian as her mother language end up at a Christian school in Tirana, Albania? But uh, as I began to, uh, to, to ask some questions and learn about Sonia, I learned that she actually was being raised by her grandparents, and her grandfather was the, was the Russian ambassador to Albania. And I wondered, how in the world did this girl end up at our school? Uh, but Sonia, as I said, was really struggling. She'd been bullied quite a bit at the two previous schools, and it ended up at our school, and, uh, and she was struggling. Well, our teachers and our staff and even fellow students began to love on Sonia. And it was amazing to see the transformation take place in her life of being really struggling to really begin to flourish at our school. We also had a, uh, a brand new teaching couple come into our school from England, Chris and Debbie Carter. Chris was a music teacher, Debbie was a biology teacher. And they came in with a lot of, it, uh, of excitement. And one of the things Chris wanted to do right off the bat was to, uh, to do a musical, a middle school musical. And uh, Chris was a, a fantastic musician, a great uh, music teacher. And uh, we gave him the green light. And with a lot of gusto and enthusiasm, he, uh, he began to put together our middle school musical that was actually written by a friend of his back in England, and it was about the life of John the Baptist. And uh, one of the students who wanted to audition and be a part of that musical was Sonia. And she got a part and began to rehearse and practice and get ready for our, our musical uh, about the life of John the Baptist. And uh, it was, it was a, a fantastic towards the end of the semester we had, a, we had the, the whole production in our tiny little all-purpose room there at the GDQ school. And uh, Chris did a fantastic job of leading it. The kids did a fantastic job of presenting it. And uh, lo and behold, who came to see our musical but Mr. and Mrs. Ambassador from Russia to see their granddaughter perform in the musical. It was a great show. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I couldn't help but just take in the scene of j the story of John the Baptist being presented in this musical, the story of the coming Christ being presented, and here was our Russian ambassador, Mr. and Mrs. Ambassador, being presented with the gospel, being presented with the coming of Christ in music and drama and wow, the opportunity that we had as a Christian school in Albania to be reaching out to the Russian ambassador and his wife uh, and their daughter, uh, granddaughter, uh, at our school. 
farming, auto mechanics, education, medicine, nursing, pharmacy. God can use all of our gifts, all, all of our abilities to serve him, whether it's in Tirana, Albania, El Salvador, Honduras, Bolivia, wherever it might be. Uh, Betsy and I, uh, it has been our privilege to serve overseas for many years, but we also believe that we all are called to be a part of God's work and of God's mission. We're called to pray, we're called to give and to send, and we are sometimes called to go, to be ambassadors of God's love and the good news that Jesus is Lord. For some of us, that might mean crossing an ocean, uh, going overseas, going, uh, going somewhere else. But for others of us, it simply means crossing the street and, and being that ambassador of Christ right here where he has called us to. So as I close this portion of our service this morning, I want to ask you, how has God created you? What are the passions, those interests, those abilities that he has placed in your hands? And where is God calling you to be a part of his mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world today? Let's, uh, let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, we want to thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together this weekend with mission as our focus. We thank you, Lord, that you have been on mission from the start and that you reached out with your love to each one of us. Help us, Lord, to also be those sent ones that you are sending into our families, into our communities, into our country, into our world to be your ambassador, to be your voice, to be your light in the world today. Lord, this morning as we prepare to take communion here at the Lord's table, we thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken for us, for your blood that was shed for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, for new life in Christ that we share with you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lynn. On the night which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke the bread, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he blessed the cup, saying, This is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. In just a few moments, we're going to ask our ushers to uh, invite you to come to the front. You'll be presented with a piece of bread. Dip it in the juice and then consume that. And uh, I'm going to invite our servers to come first, as well as the praise team. We'll serve them and then we'll serve you.